By definition, an antenna is a metal whip designed to receive and transmit radio signals within a given area. It's BS in the Morning on KSLQ and Westplex 107.1. It's BS.show. You're supposed to say something, I am Shelly. He is Brad. <laughs> and together we make BS. You know. BS That Show is a show about nothing. It's about not about nothing. Let me try that again. It's about nothing. Yeah, it really is about nothing. It's I what... know. <laughs> Stream of consciousness, actually. No, we talk about interesting stuff. There's there's some interesting stuff today uh, going on. Um, interesting things in the world, uh, officially. The You know, here's what's going to be crazy. The Congress, what? the senators, they are not the senators, the representatives, they officially got 218 votes, which means that's the Republicans. They got 218 votes, which means they are not the majority. But the problem is they still don't have all the votes counted, and they think... It's going to end up like 218 to 217. Okay. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now think about this. I mean, because that's, that's if you add them together, 218 and 217, guess what you get? Okay, what? Do you know Four. your math? Come on. Come on. That's an easy one. You don't know your math? 43? <laughs> no. Here. here. <laughs> no. I don't do numbers, Brad. <laughs> okay, here we go. Two one eight plus. Says the man two, bringing out his one slide seven. Four hundred thirty-five. Okay, four hundred thirty-five. That's the number of representatives. So, in other words, the majority would be held by one vote. So, can you imagine, like the Democrats, like getting one of the Republicans who's maybe not like real happy with the Republican Party and whining and dining him and taking him out to dinner every night and, you know, showing him the town and, you know, tell him how, how handsome he is. Maybe it was a woman, how pretty she is, you know, how much she could make a difference. Oh, come on. Come on and be a Democrat because all they have to do is flip one person and they're back in charge again. Well, same with the repubs. What? <laughs> no, they're they're already in charge. They will be in charge when they're sworn in. I understand that, but for every vote that they flip to dem dem Democrat, it's um they'll do one for the Republican Party as well. Hmm. Let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Six sixteen. <laughs> I think a bite me should have been inserted there. <laughs> <laughs> it made perfect sense to me. I don't know about the listeners or not, but well, it made perfect sense to me as and, well. And can you believe? I'm looking at this map. I'm seeing this map. They're still map. counting votes. Okay, today is the is the 17th. Our election was on the 8th. Okay, they're still. Let me look at this. Bring up this map again. I'm going like, what is going on with this? This they're is like, trying to see how far they can get before they get stopped. Uh, hold on, I can't even. I don't think I can find it anymore. Uh, I don't know if they had the map up anymore. Oh, we got to talk about this FTX guy. Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you know about okay. this FTX guy? Not, not. He's not the flower guy. That's FTD. This is the FTX guy. Oh, and more weird stuff out of San Francisco with this, with this Paul Pelosi thing. Oh my God, this thing is getting to be so bizarre. And what? not from a journalistic standpoint, it's getting to be. I'm telling you, this is going to be. 
one of these... A miniseries movie? No, no, no. Well, could be. But this is going to be one of those things that, you know how, like, you hear about in, you know, like, they have case studies and certain... When you go to college, if, you go, if you're, like, sociologist, you have case studies and look at this case that happened here. And if you go to, like, engineering school... My dad always talked about this because he was a civil engineer. They talked about building failures. You know, I, I'll never forget this. My dad told me the very first class he had at Washington University when he was studying civil engineering... The professor was teaching them about designing buildings for uh, maximum loads, and what he did was he had he he took a he took on in the corner of the uh, of the classroom he had a he had a square yard marked off with tape. So in other words, imagine that like you know there's a corner of the 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 classroom. There's a three foot by three foot corner that he had marked off with tape. Obviously, the two walls are the one side of the, the square, and the other two walls were the tape on the floor. And he oh, said... Is, how, is that how it goes? Yeah, that's how it went. Okay, so okay, he, he asked for the largest guys in the class, and my dad was one of them, largest guys in the class to all go up and try to squeeze as many guys as they could into that corner. So in other words, they all had to stand and squeeze into the corner. And I don't, can't remember how many there was. I think he said they, they got like five or six guys or something like that. And then as they walked away, the professor asked, how much do you weigh? You know, 210. How much do you weigh? 195. How much do you weigh? 250. He wrote down all these numbers and he told it up. Okay. And then he divided by the footage and he came out with the, the, all those people crammed into that corner were exerting X amount of pounds per square foot on the floor. And he talked about how the floor was designed. The design uh, yield for the floor was designed at like some factor, like three times that. So in other words, the idea being is that they were sort of showing that, you know, even if you put a bunch of people in a small space, the floor had enough capacity, had enough strength to withhold that. Now, the problem is... is Fair enough. Well, I thought it was sort of interesting because, you know, once again, it's one of those things where somebody can say something to you, go like, well, you know, Shelly, if you drive down, drive, down, drive down the highway to 120 miles an hour, you know, all it takes is for you to just to sneeze and your car could go off the road because you could just move the steering wheel just like a quarter inch and at 120 miles an hour, you could fly off and, and you know, land in someone's backyard. And you'd go. Ah, I'm no sure glad that you don't sit there and just drive around down, <laughs> around town doing 40 miles an hour. Well, the idea would be, which is your minimum, and sometimes I you drop don't... down to maybe 38. Did... Not real sure. Did I tell you about the but story we've about been tracking you all over with the uh, red light cameras? Did I tell you the story about the coming back uh, the other night on 70? Uh, no. That it was at night and it was a guy getting off at the airport, and he was in the right lane and doing like. 30 miles an hour. And I'm going like, okay. You know, I came up on, because I was doing, I was doing 65. I know you don't believe that. Uh-huh. I was doing, hold on a minute. I was doing 65 and I came up on him pretty quick. And I saw he has turn signal. And, oh, he's getting off. I'm not going to pass him. Well, what he does is he misses the exit for the airport right there at Air Flight, your favorite street named after yes. your father's cab company. And he misses the, he misses the exit and he stops in the right lane and starts to back up <laughs> on I-70 right in front of me. And I'm going like... Does he have a joystick on his car? <laughs> oh, yeah, Joy 99. You know, and the crazy thing about it was, all I could think was, he's pulling like this stupid maneuver. I'm the one that's going to get killed because somebody's going to come up behind me doing... Shelly's going to come behind me doing 120 miles an hour in the, in, uh, the outside lane and just obliterate my little car. I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to be like road pizza when she gets done with me, you know? 
Yes, of course. <laughs> so the guy backs up, and I'm going like, I'm getting out of here. So there's a break in traffic. I put in my turn signal. I you know go around him on the center lane, and I look back, and he's still backing up. I mean, backing up on the interstate. When's, when have you seen that before? I mean, he's... I can't say I've seen it at all. If you ever. watch, you know, once again, I'm the YouTube guy. I can't say that I haven't thought about it. Backing up on the interstate? Yes. Well, let me tell you. Shelly's sort of being modest about this. Shelly went to Bob Bondurant School of High Performance Driving. Do you know about that? Well, I must if I went there. Yeah, well, she, she well, I'm, I was asking the listeners. A- a- asking oh, okay. the listeners. I was asking them. Axing them. Okay, if and it's a high school, a high performance driving school, okay? And one of the things they teach you is, I think they call it the smuggler's J-turn. You know what the smuggler's J-turn is? I do not. The smuggler, here, let me see if I can look it up real quick. The smug, I think that's what they call it, the smuggler's J-turn. Where what you do is, uh, here, da, da, da. you see this on TV all the time. Oh, you sit there and you, you put on the accelerator, press on the accelerator, at the same time as using your emergency brake? That's, you're, you're right on the money yet. So what, what you do is you flip the back, um, they call it a bootleg. Bootleg turn is driving maneuver intended to reverse direction of travel. Bootleg turn, I've heard it called a smuggler's turn, but they call it a bootleg term. Okay, bootleg term is, here we, there's the official. Bootleg term is driving maneuver intended to reverse the direction of travel of a forward-moving automobile by 180 degrees in a minimum amount of time while staying within the width of the two-lane road. This maneuver is also known as the smuggler's turn, power slider, simply a bootlegger. I've heard other things. Okay, techniques is turn performed by putting the vehicle quickly into a lower gear, usually the second gear, and quickly turning the wheel in the direction of the opposite direction. If performed correctly, the vehicle will enter a controlled skid, enter the opposite lane, and turn completely around and come in a perfect bootleg turn. The car will be at a complete stop at the end of the maneuver and ready to accelerate to part in the opposite direction. Um, the only thing is, like you said, if you still have, if, if you car with, and it's getting to be the point where that's, that's something else that's disappearing from cars. You know that about parking brakes? No. Most of them are. Is yours a manual parking brake still? The e-brake, what they call it. You know what I'm talking about. Is do you? Have I a, haven't used it. Do you have a pedal? I'm sorry. Do you have a pedal? I bet you don't have a pedal. I think because your car. What year is your car again? 2018. I think it has an electric parking brake, an electric e-brake. I I don't know, Brad. I've never had a you've never, reason to use it you, or even look for it. You're supposed to use it when you park your car. That's what it's for. Yeah, I've never used it. <laughs> so, don't you remember driver's ed? When they taught you... Which I you... got kicked out of that one, too. <laughs> don't you remember driver's ed? One of the things was they asked you... They purposely drove you around, like, in, at least in St. Charles, they did that. And you parked on a hill. And depending upon if you were going uphill or downhill, you had to turn the wheel a certain way and put on the parking brake. Don't you know about that? I do. <laughs> but... Um... Not this car, but the car before me would parallel park for me. You know, that's getting to be, that's interesting because it's getting to be to the point where you can't find cars that have stick shifts anymore. There's hardly any cars anymore that have stick shifts. It's to the point where even trucks, you can't buy. No, their stick shifts are on the wheel. Well, that's not really a stick shift. Steering wheel. That's that's E shift. That's you know F one shifting, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I mean, you know, there's that's a lost art right there. Driving a clutch. Matter of fact, there was a story recently. Some some guy stole one of the he's one of the kids stole one of the Kias the uh, or, or the uh, the Hyundai's and it was a stick. <laughs> he got it started, but he didn't know how to drive it <laughs> because he didn't know how to drive a stick, which is sort of funny. 
Okay. Anyway, so you never had to stop on a hill on driver's ed or anything like that? No. I wonder if they still teach that. Hmm. Hey, any of you? They probably did. I just didn't hey, by... pay attention to my surroundings. If anybody has kids that have recently taken the driver's test, or maybe you've taken the driver's test yourself, uh, I want to know if they made you do that. 314-280-8880. By the way, they're running ads, not on our station. I wish they were, but on other stations. Their Missouri Highway Patrol is running ads for, guess what? Highway Patrol people. No. They're running ads for the driver's test people, the people that go in the Mm-mm, car with you. Not enough Xanax. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, yeah. I, I bet you. No, I cannot. I bet you, here you are mostly with these 16-year-old kids, you know, getting in the car going like, okay, you know, like, okay, you know. I mean, there's got to be a bunch of stories by those people who did those tests about ended up in people's front lawns. Unfortunately, you know there's probably accidents that have happened where, you know, when you're driving. You know, wouldn't that be terrible on your driver's license test? You smashed into somebody? Oh, my God. How would that work? But, yeah, they're running It'd ads. It would be even worse if it was a police officer. Well, they're running ads, and the ads say you get full. This is what's wrong with our government, okay? You get full Missouri benefits from the minute you hire on. From the minute you hire on, not a 90-day, you know, probation period, full benefits, insurance, medical, you know, and they even talk about days only, no nights, no weekends. You do as well with the federal government. From the minute you start. And a federal government contract. No, from the minute you start, in other words, if you get hired, the day you walk in to be hired, you're covered by all the benefits? Yes. Literally? Yes. God. See, if I rule the world, there would be a new rule that you can only be a politician or a government employee for eight years. You get eight years. You can be, uh, you know, in Missouri, you can be a representative for four times. It'd be eight years. You could be a senator twice. You could be a a mayor twice, four years. You could be the president twice, four years. I mean, excuse me, eight years. That's it. Any level. I don't care if you, if you like, even if you're like a file clerk, a GSA, what would be like the lowest GSA? You got all the ratings. What's what? What would you, what would you start out as? A GSA one or something? Well, they like don't that? have them anymore. They're gone. But when I started out in in um, the federal government, I started out as a GS two. A GS two, and that's the, what was where there were were there GS. I was a mail and file clerk. Was there a GS one? Um, I had never seen a GS one before. They were like a unicorn. I'm sorry. They were like a unicorn. Yeah, it's just, I mean, when we talk GS2, back in the 80s, it was like $3 an hour. Wow. That's what it should be still today. <laughs> yeah. I get myself in trouble with that, won't I? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. It is 628. Shelly, do you know who that was? Who, Brad? <laughs> Do you know who that artist we just had on the air was? Uh, if I do no, say so I don't. myself, who is it, Brad? a very talented woman. Oh my God, she is so multi-talented. Who? She's multi-talented. Okay. She's attractive, smart, successful, and she enjoys the finer things in life. Uh huh. Her name is Ariana Grande. Oh, what a pretty name! That is nice. Okay, don't let me forget. Seven o'clock, I'll tell the, what's her name again? The gal from Pretty Lady, Pretty Woman. 
Da, 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 da. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. I'll tell you the Julia Roberts story, which I think is absolutely fascinating. I don't want to try to build it up too much. You may go like, okay, whoop-de-doo, BFD. I don't think it was as good of a story. But I, I, I read the story and I thought to myself, this can't be true. It really I was, it was bizarre. Was and, it like an autobiography of her? No, it's a story. It's an interview where she tells this story. And I'm going like, that's got to be BS. That's like something we talk about on our show in the morning. And I looked it up and she wasn't kidding. It's it's one of these crazy, weird, you know, you talk about like, you know, six degrees of separation. It's just this bizarre, weird story about how two people's lives came together and both people became super famous. At the time, Julia Roberts, this is when she was born. Nobody knew who she was, and this involved another person at the time who was not very famous, who was on the way up becoming famous, but would and essentially would become not only famous in the United States, famous around the world. I mean, a world-famous person, and Julia Roberts' lives intersected when she was, I'll give you a hint, when she was born, okay? And it's, it's just a weird story. But it's, 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 a, it's a great story. I mean, it's it's one of these heartwarming stories. It's like, you know, you know. Sometimes my mom was sort of a skeptic, where she is, used to always say, "No good deed guns goes unpunished." That was my mom. <laughs> if you if you do a favor for somebody, like you cut their grass, and then they sue you because you you put a nick in their mailbox post. You know what I mean? But uh-huh. yet, but yet you cut their grass for free, and the next thing you know, the sheriff's at your door serving you with papers because, in fact, your next-door neighbor who had their grass being a footfall, and you went over and cut their grass for free, and then they sued you because you nicked their mailbox post, and they're suing you for $10,000 in damages plus emotional distress and blah, 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 blah. And... The law of unintended consequences. <laughs> right. I learned that from you. Well, no, that's that's the law of, of what my mom would always talk about, that no good deed goes unpunished. That's what she would say. And that's, you know, I guess to a certain extent, I don't try to live my life by that. But when you grow up and your parents, especially your mother tells you that, it does sort of raise its ugly head from time to time. You know, it's one of those things where where I've had it happen to me personally. By the way, you know who we haven't heard from? Who? I thought about this the other night and I felt bad about this because it's like we sort of gotten out of, out of contact Oh, that's right. Yeah, I wonder if Vicky's still... You know, I'll have to call her today and see if we're getting her on the phone tomorrow. Uh, I would say. Because they've, I believe, if they've done it like they had in the past, the bell ringers are already out at some stores, but next week they'll be everywhere. Well, not everywhere, but there'll be lots more places next week. So I will contact her today. Remind me to call her today and see what's going on. I hope she's still working for Salvation Army. I'm uh, sure she is. I hope that we get to... Go around and do the mayor challenge like we've done for the past, what? Long time. And by the way, yeah, I will tell my brief story and nothing against American Red Cross, but this is my father's story from World War II. <laughs> As yep. I was growing up, my father instructed me to never give any money to the American Red Cross and always give money to the Salvation Army. And he explained to me that when he was in World War II, that... A lot of times, and, you know, my dad was, like, in combat, you know, like, you know, I mean, he was, like, right up there in the front lines. I mean, he was not, like, some guy pushing papers in D.C. I mean, my, I, I can't find this, but my mom interviewed him years ago and wrote down his entire history of World War II. I mean, this guy, 
you know, name me a continent he wasn't on. He wasn't in. He wasn't on the North Pole. He wasn't on Antarctica. Uh, he wasn't in Australia. Pretty much every other place he was there. You know, all over Europe, uh, Eastern Western Europe. Um, you know, in Africa. You know, I mean, it was just bizarre. Anyway, he said that when they were places that a lot of times it was the Salvation Army and the American Red Cross were both there. And he said that the American Red Cross would charge you for everything. If, you know, once again, these are GIs fighting the fight, and you want a cup of coffee, it's a nickel. Salvation Army, everything was always free. So he, he remembered that. He remembered the fact that the Salvation Army gave freely, literally gave freely. Everything they had was free. He always used to say that if you went up to one of those Salvation Army guys and said, hey, I want that shirt you're wearing, the guy would take the shirt off and give it to you. He said that was how the Salvation Army people were. And the American Red Cross people weren't. So as a result of that, I did, well, I'm not doing it anymore. I feel sort of bad about that. But we did, you and I were involved in the Salvation Army for several years with the Tree Alliance campaign. So that is, if it hasn't started already, once again, if you're out and about, you hear the bell, put some money in the kettle. They do lots of good things for people. You know, not only do they do they help people, homeless people, they've got the, the, the center out there in O'Fallon, which has the homeless shelter. They have a food pantry. They have the, the, the essentially the soup kitchen down there in St. Charles. Uh, they do stuff all over St. Charles County, Franklin County, Warren County, uh, you know, and, and there's two. They will, they will come and pick up your donations. Right. And they got their, their resell it store right there at Harvester and 364, a great store where Mike Lindemann personally showed up, you know. I I feel sorry for Mike Lindemann. You know what I mean? I really do. There's so many people that hate him now. You know what I mean? They hate him. I, I don't understand why. Because he's a Trump buddy. They don't like him because he's a Trump buddy. You know? Oh, he's part of the, not delirious, but what is it? I don't know. The the Some people call the Trump weirdos or whatever, you know. No. The deranged you know, un, un- deplorables. That's it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what, you know, we didn't even talk about uh, was that Tuesday night? We didn't talk about it yesterday morning about Trump's speech. And I know a lot of people are, are reaching, some women are re- right now reaching for their radio to switch to another station because <laughs> they hate anything about Trump, which I don't quite understand. You know, I mean, I find it interesting. You know, they're people that I don't necessarily agree with, but I will hear them out, you know? And sometimes, hold on a minute. Sometimes I learn quite a bit from people that th- think differently than I do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but there are people that are like, oh, if you're going to talk to me about Trump, I'm going to close my ears, I'm going to walk away. And some people are the other way around. If you're going to talk to me about Biden, don't even say anything. I'm going to walk, turn, close my ears and walk away. I don't know. I don't understand that. Okay, a couple things to talk about this morning. Um, here's something which I found fascinating, and this is a little bit exacerbated at this college, but it's not... not you know the 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 abnormal thing anymore. Howard University, which is predominantly black, is what they call an HCBU uh, historically or HBCU, historically black college and university. The student body at Howard University is seventy two percent women and twenty eight percent men. Is that bizarre or what? Why is that bizarre? Well, seventy eight because if you go back in history, go back fifty years, there were significantly more men in college and universities than women they out men outnumbered women and what's interesting is this one's extreme it's essentially it's it's over it's essentially it's like it's over three to one if you go what did i say 78 percent 78 percent uh where'd it go my phone rebooted on me 
So for the girls, it's considered a target-rich environment. No, the opposite for the guys because for every guy. Yeah, you're right. For, for the guys, for every guy, there's yep, a seventy-two percent. You are correct. Seventy-two percent for for every guy, there's three women essentially because yep. if it would be seventy-five to twenty-five, it would be exactly three to one. Okay. So it's like it's like a gentleman taking home ec class. Uh, the staggering gender gap at the prominent historically backed black college and university highlights a more significant trend. It also raises two critical questions: Why are the black men on co- where are the black men on college campuses? Why is the gap so large in the first place? Now, get this: It goes on to talk about in 2019, 30 percent of black women held a bachelor's degree or higher, compared to 28 percent of black men. That same year, black women had 9% of master's degrees compared to 4% of black men. Now, what's interesting is this is not necessarily just with black people. This is with white people. This is with all people now. Yes. Because the number of men going to college at most universities is below 50%. Did you know that? I did not. At, I believe Mizzou, I think I read something recently. I think it's like 55 to 45. I'll look at that again. And what's happening is men are not going to college anymore. Because you know why? Why? They can't figure out how to get out of their parents' basement. That's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's failure a, to launch. Right, that's the problem. They're down there playing, you know, <laughs> GSA, uh, no, G, GTA. You know, GTA is no Grand Theft Auto. Oh, is that a video game? Oh, my God. You obviously don't play video games. That's like one of the what Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto are like like they're like the the you know, the two big monster ones. Maybe they're not as much as they used to be anymore. But still, GTA and 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 Call of Duty are like huge among men. I mean, if, one is Twitter. One is Facebook. No, 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 no. They're they're both they're they're both uh, role playing games that you play online. That you I play. Know. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah. Anyway, so I'm gonna see if I can find the numbers for Mizzou and see what the breakdown is. But I met someone recently that um, actually, believe it or not, knew my mother, and she told me this story about going to college. She, I'd say, this woman was probably in her late 70s, early 80s. And she told me the story about when she went to college, her mother told her to go to college to get, we talked about this one time before, her MRS degree. You know what the MRS degree was? No. Her Mrs. degree. Get it? To go to college to get a, find a dude and marry him. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. what she did. She found a guy her freshman year college, dated him, and they got married in their sophomore year college, and bang, she dropped out of school. And that's the way it was. Sort of sad. And now the women go to college and the guys, like I said, don't leave their basements. <laughs> I laugh because that's so true. <laughs> it's, it, it's true. It's 646. It is BS.show. It's Brad and Shelley. You figure out which is which. How's that? Uh, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Sometimes it's it's <laughs> hard to distinguish between okay. the two of us. You know what product placement is like in movies and TV shows I and things like that, right? I absolutely do know okay. what product placement is. I wonder... And if you don't know what we're talking about, like if you see like a in a movie, you see like a, a actor pick up a, a Pepsi and he's drinking a Mountain Dew or something like that. Usually Pepsi or Mountain Dew paid to have that included in the movie. OK. Yeah. Or a bowl of cereal. Right. Exactly. Or something branded like, you know, like like matter of fact, used to be uh, Apple. 
used to be some of the car manufacturers would supply all the cars that you saw in certain shows. Matter of fact, if you go back and look at some of the old shows from the 50s and 60s, Ford was good at that. Matter of fact, the FBI program with Efren Zimbalis Jr., if you remember that, um, they always had a thing at the end of the uh, thing that vehicles supplied by Ford Motor Company. Okay, so they supply either, they either give them cash or some kind of consideration. Okay, here's my question. The song we just played, he refers numerous times to Hennessy. You know what Hennessy is? It's a liqueur. Yeah, it's like a cognac. Yeah. I wonder if they paid, if the Hennessy people paid to have that in the song. Because what's interesting is I've heard the the product, you know, the the booze, whatever you want to call it, Hennessy, referred to in many songs and especially a lot of rap songs. So a lot of rap songs refer to Hennessy. And I'm wondering if they A paid to have that done or B it's just a status symbol because have you ever known anybody who had like a Mercedes and they you know like you and me hey I'm gonna go out to my car okay they oh I'll go out to, I'm going out to my Mercedes I'm gonna go I'm going out to my Porsche okay isn't a Porsche car oh no my Porsche haven't you noticed more of those on the road <laughs> Porsches yes well they become <laughs> can I can I tell you a weird a sad story about this guy that I read about which is is, is one that once again do you remember I can't remember if it was early this year or late last year. There was a, because, you know, those cars are built, in, obviously, in Germany, places like that, in Europe, okay? And they bring them over on these big ocean-going cargo ships that are designed to have the cars on there, you know? And they, stra- you know, they, they strap them down to the deck. The deck has, has, like, these, you know, tie points where they, you know, they drive the cars up on the deck of the ship, and then they tie them down to the deck of the ship, okay? A guy, and this is a true story, guy ordered... A Porsche, and it was, you know, and they've got it now. A lot of car manufacturers do this, where if you order it, they'll send you emails. Hey, your car is going to be produced tomorrow, you know? And hey, your car is going down the assembly line this morning at 9 o'clock. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like Domino's delivers. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like, hey, your pizza's in the oven. Yeah, good point, exactly. Okay, so this guy orders a Porsche, and unfortunately, it's on the cargo ship that catches fire, Okay. So that sucks. So yeah. So his car burns up. So Porsche so notifies. So who owns it? Well, no, he didn't know, but he hadn't paid for it. It's still, you know. Oh, was, so he didn't have to pay no, up front. No, no, it wasn't his. You know, no, you had to put a deposit. And they asked him. They said the dealership when you know the dealership called him up and said, "Well, we got some bad news for you. You know that cargo ship that caught on fire. Your car was destroyed. You know we can." We can put the order through again, and you can order the same one. You can change it to a different model, whatever, or you can, we can give your money back. And he says, no, I want that car. So they build a second one for him. This is a true story. They build a second one for him, and he's following it on his phone, you know, you know, blah, 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 you know, and it goes like, it'll be in port, like, it's, uh, you know, it's on its way. It's on the Atlantic Ocean right now. It'll be in port in three days, whatever it was. So all of a sudden, one morning he wakes up, and his car's not there anymore. It's not on the app. It's like disappeared. So he calls up the dealership and says, okay, explain to me what happened. My car was on the way over, and, you know, this morning I turned on my phone to track my car. It's not there anymore. So the dealer says, well, we'll check into it. It burnt up. No. (laughs) Get this. They had a ship. The second ship that was bringing over another load of these fancy schmancy cars got into a really bad storm, and the some of the cars became unbuckled from the deck, 
and his car became a pinball piece in in the deck where his car was fly. It got un unattached from the deck, and it got bounced around, and like. 80 cars were destroyed because there were like 30 or 40 of them that became loose, and the ones that came loose were just bouncing around on the deck and smashing into the other cars that weren't loose. So he had his second one destroyed on the ship, and the dealer calls him up and says, okay, we find out what happened. It wasn't, a, you know, the, the, the ship wasn't, wasn't on fire. It wasn't total loss. It's just about 30 cars in the one deck were destroyed, and one of them was yours. So he orders a third one and finally gets it. Is that bizarre or what? Do you know, if he wouldn't have gotten that third one, it was about time for him to say, I think I need a different car. <laughs> well, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I'd want the third one because, you know, that big K word, you know what the K, K word is? Yeah. And it's not... But what do you... It's not, it's not KMOX. It's called karma. I mean, would you want to have a car that, you know, you'd ordered twice and it got destroyed and the third time you got it wouldn't that be sort of an omen like maybe this car's jinxed you know i mean the car that he wanted if something happened to the third one right that's what i'm saying he yeah then (laughs) he needs to move on to a different car that's what i'm saying completely i don't don't think model i don't think i would have ordered the third one (laughs) i would like i think i'll pass i'm gonna buy something else you know because i'm it's just one of those things it's just like god i can remember i mean seriously it's a thing well, but, you know, you don't even think about that kind of stuff. But, I do. No, no. I mean, you don't think about the kind of stuff that, where, you know, like, for example, if the cars produced, like, your car was, your car was produced in the United States. You know, you, you know for sure? Is it? Um, I think it was Canada. What's your VIN number? Well, you can tell by your VIN number. The first number. Oh, on... I don't. Uh, let me just pull that right out of my head. <laughs> I thought you Seriously, might. Seriously, I, I can't remember. I thought you might have it on. An, I thought you might have it on an insurance card or something like that. A lot of times they show the VIN number on that. That's not where I'm at. Okay. Okay. Well, if it's a one, it's produced in the United Ooh, States. I do have an insurance card. Oh, okay. Pull it out. It's got your VIN number on it, and. If it starts with a one, it was produced in the United States. If two is produced in Canada, and then the go from there, it goes weird. Some of the European ones have have letters in front, but the American cars, for the most part, have either ones or twos. I think they're up to three, four, and five. I think I think three is a Mexican car. Uh, they're all the numbers are all North American cars. Essentially, if it's got a number in front, for the most part, it's built either in the United States, Canada, or Mexico. Did you have your insurance card there? I'm looking. And you're trying to get it as soon as I can, well, sir. The point being, if it's an American car made in the United States, you know where it was made, and you know how it pretty much got to where you bought it from. You know what I mean? It got on a, you know, if it was like in Kansas City, like they make F-150s in Kansas City, Ford does. Uh, it got on a probably just on a on a truck, and they trucked it from Kansas City, like Wentzville. You see the trucks coming out of Wentzville all the time, carrying all the you know the vans and the, and the pickup trucks from the General Motors plant there. Look, I just looked up what time it is. Hey, we got to take a break. It's six fifty. There you go, Shelly. You like Boom. that song? I actually did like that song. You know who that is? No. It's Harry Styles. You know. I wonder. Is it really? Yeah, I wonder what these other the other dudes in One Direction are going like. Hey, how come Harry's getting all the attention? You know, I mean, the other guys have like disappeared. You know, I mean, you don't hear from any yeah. of the other guys anymore. It's just Harry Styles. He's everywhere. It's really funny. No matter what you're, whether you're a star, whether you're a person in a in a group, whatever, if you could be on the top of the world, and but if you quit making yourself you know, noticeably absent 
people will lose interest in you. I'm a perfect example of that. <laughs> oh, you're not. Stop it. Yeah, not totally perfect. Once upon a time, I worked at some great radio stations. Now I'm on crap. <laughs> what, is, what does that tell you? <laughs> they grow up so fast. Right. Okay. A couple things. Take care of some business from yesterday. I mentioned we were talking about the ratings of radio and Arbitron and Nielsen, all that kind of stuff. And I mentioned the fact that when they switched from the old diary method to the uh, the new uh, PPM, PPM method, uh, that like Camo X from like went from like number one to like number ten, and the ar- the arch went from like number forty two to number one, and J C Corcoran ultimately lost his job over that. Well. I've got J.C. Corcoran's phone number in my book. So I texted him. I go, hey, when did they switch to to PPM? He knows exactly. He texts back, 2009. And then I said to him, and I said, and, I, and, I, and this is why we were on the air yesterday, but he replied after we got out of the air. And I said, could you come on the air and talk about it? And he replies back. You want the reply back? You want me to read you the reply? Or do you even Was care? Was it just specifically for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He repeated me so I can find it. So why would you read it on the air? Well, because I'm thinking to myself, uh, sorry, um, sorry. I said, uh, I, I, he said, he texted me 2009, and I said, can I call you on the air in a few? And he says, sorry, early doctor's appointment. Also, I'm under contract to another station right now. Well, excuse me. <laughs> He's under contract with K-Wolf, which is still not on the air. Well, they're on the air in Ellsbury, but now they're on the air at the other stations. So anyway, that's one thing to take care of business. Also, the smartest woman in the world, I was pretty close on this. And the latest data is fall of 2021. So a year ago, Mizzou, 54% women, 46% men. 54, God, think about that for a minute. If you're a dude on campus, your odds are, are better. If you're a woman on campus, you, you got to fight over those guys. I saw him first. He's mine. No, he's mine. Right? We do do that. Uh, 40, see, I'm telling you, there's a problem, and I am getting to the point where this crazy weird stuff that's just start, you know, and I'm not, I'm an old guy. I'm 87 years old. I get it. I'm an old guy. But yet there are certain things that are not changeable. Okay. When you, when you look up at the sky, you're looking up. When you look down at the ground, you're looking down. When you look to the left, you're looking to the left. When you look to the right, you're looking to the right. Okay. Get what I'm saying? If and you're... when it's time to fight, you fight, fight, fight. <laughs> right. Lean left, lean right. Sit, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. When you're driving down the highway, are on a two-lane road, you drive on the right side of the road. You don't drive on the left side, you drive on the right side. Okay? Those Correct. are things. Okay? This crazy... Unless you're going the other direction, and then you do drive on the other side. I say the boys and the young men, the guys like from, you know, who are like from one to like 20 now, are just utterly confused. Because they don't know what to do anymore. They have no idea what they're what they're supposed to do. They have no idea what, you know, because of the fact that they don't have any role models anymore. And the role models used to be, in my generation, it was John Wayne and Robert Mitchum and people like that, you know. And, you know, even like later years, it was like Sylvester Stallone and it was, you know, Tom Selleck and, you know, and, and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, now what do you have? You have and nothing against him. You got Ryan Reynolds, who's like, you know, nice guy, but, you know, he's not the kind of guy that if your car was on fire, 
I don't think he would be the guy, kind of the guy who would come and knock the window out and pull you out of the car. You know what I'm saying? He would go like, oh, my, oh boy, look at that car's on fire. Let me get my phone and take a picture of it. You know, <laughs> I just don't think <laughs> that'd he'd, be me. I don't think he'd be that kind of guy. And I have to tell you, there's more and more men who just don't know what to do with their lives. They don't know what to do with their lives. And I think that's sad. You know, I think I am lucky in the fact I have a daughter and I have three sons. And my three sons, you know, even though they've each had their little, you know, bumps in the road, are for the most part, you know, doing well. Moving on down the road of life um, and not questioning who they are. Maybe they don't tell me that, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're men, you know? And they're like, well, I don't know what I am. Anyway, I'm getting myself trouble if I talk about that anymore. When I'm... So, you're supposed to talk about... Oh, the smartest woman in the world says, presuming they're worth fighting for. The women are fighting over the men. She's right there. Some guys aren't worth fighting for. They're like, oh, you know, the sad part of that is talking about Julia Roberts. Yes. Okay. I saw this. This was in an interview. Let me give you some background. Okay. I find this actually positively fascinating. Okay. You may not find it fascinating. There was an interview she did recently. She talked about her life. And she grew up in the Atlanta area. She's born in Smyrna, Georgia, which I believe is a suburb of, of Atlanta. And her parents, her dad was, what do I think? Her dad was, um, her her mother, mother's, mother's name was Betty Lou. Her, father, her father's name was Walter Grady Roberts. She's English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh, German, and Swedish descent. She's like Heinz 57. She's got everything in her. Her father was a Baptist. Her mother was a Catholic. And she was raised Catholic. Her older brother, Eric Roberts, born in 1956, from who she was estranged for several years until 2004. She has a older sister, Lisa Roberts Gillian, born 1965, a niece, Emma Roberts, and she has a half-sister named Nancy Motes who died of a drug overdose, okay? Mm-hmm. Roberts' parents, they were one-time actors and playwrights. They met, while, they met while performing in theatrical productions for the armed forces during World War II. They later co-founded the Atlanta Actors and Writers Workshop in Atlanta off Juniper Street in Midtown Atlanta. They ran a children's acting school in Decatur, Georgia, while they were expecting Julia. Okay, so in other words, Julia is in her mom's tummy, and they're running this children's acting school in Decatur, Georgia. A black couple approached them and said, we would like to have our kids in your acting school because we have tried to get them in other acting schools in children's acting classes in the Atlanta area and no one will take our kids because they are black so Julia Roberts parents said yeah no problem we don't have a problem with that come on in water's fine so they took these young children from this black couple into the acting school okay this is when Julia Roberts mother was pregnant with her Julia Roberts' mother gives birth to Julia Roberts. She can't pay the hospital bill. So the black couple that they let their black kids into Julia Roberts' parents' acting school paid for the hospital bill. Guess who the black parents were? Um, I, I, I know... Who I think it is, but go ahead, tell me. 
I'm well. I'm trying to think. Well, while you think, I'll tell you. The black parents who felt so happy that Julia Roberts' parents let them let their kids into a acting class because they couldn't get their kids in any acting classes in the Atlanta area because of the fact they were black. The black parents were Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife Coretta Scott King. Oh my! Is that unbelievable or what? Oh my! <laughs> I mean, when I when I heard that, I thought to myself, "What? They paid for Julia Roberts' birth? Is that unbelievable?" I mean, when I said, and at the time, this would have been she was born in what year was she born? She was born in '67. Okay, so at that point in time, he was fairly famous. So, um, so a good deed in that case as opposed to what my mother would say, didn't go unpunished. So, and at the time, Julia Roberts' parents were not very well off because they were running this acting school, not making much money. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine, like, I've never heard that before. I mean, to me, it just blew me away. I'm thinking to myself, wow. You know, talking about having, like, a, you know, a, an interesting fact in your life. Yeah, you know, I was born and, you know, my parents couldn't pay for the hospital bill. So Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife paid for my hospital bill. What? What? Say that again? You know what I mean? Isn't that unbelievable? It really is. It's it's one of those things where to me it was like, it's like, wow. And I mean, that just means that she was destined for greatness well it's interesting because she talked That's about what i think anyway. she she moved uh talked about she here let me get the thing she moved early life family um they talked about she had a lot of problems with her with her parents were married in 55 her mother filed for divorce in 71 divorce was finalized early 72 uh from 1972 roberts lived in smyrna georgia where she attended fitzhugh lee elementary high school and griffin middle school in 1972 her mother married michael moats who was abusive and often unemployed Roberts despised him, so Julia Roberts didn't like her stepfather. The couple had a daughter, Nancy, who died at 37 of an apparent drug overdose. The marriage ended in 1983 with Betty Lou divorcing Moats on cruelty grounds. She had stated that marrying him was the biggest mistake of her life. Roberts' own father died of cancer when she was 10. So she didn't have a good early life. Father, she did not. Well, father, there's a lot of people that didn't. Right. The same things went on back in the 60s that they do now, just that people don't talk about it. Roberts wanted to be a veterinarian as a child. She played clarinet in her high school band. After graduating from Smyrna's Campbell High School, she attended Georgia State University but did not graduate. Good for her. She later headed to New York. Oh, <laughs> she later headed to New York City to pursue a career in acting. Once there, she signed with the Click Modeling Agency, enrolled in acting classes, and bang, the rest is history. So I thought that was fascinating. That you know, talk and and think about that. What are the odds of something like that happening? What are the odds of like, let's say. You know, let, like, let's say let's say somebody that we had, like, for example, I've had some people work for me through the years who have gone on to do very good things. Matter of fact, um, you know, I'm, a lot of the people that work for me in the past are still working in this field. I listen to, you know, Captain Mac, you know, Paul Ford on, um, what is I listening to? Yesterday, one of the, he's on one of the, he's on a bunch of the iHeart stations. Uh, what was her name? Um uh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm losing. Uh, Sue Thomas is still on 97.1 as a traffic reporter. Um, there are quite a few people still bouncing around. Kathleen England, who used to work for me a long time ago, is now on, she's the morning news person on 97.1. Uh, Greg Amsinger, 
who worked for me, who did high school basketball and football games, did the Washmo and the and the um, the, the Borgia games years ago. He's like on the MLB Network right now, big time reporter. You know, quite a few. And what's interesting is none of them have ever come back and bought me a new car and paid for anything. I mean, what's wrong with me, Shelley? I mean, <laughs> why haven't they come and taken care of me? Right, like the the Kings did with with Julia Roberts' parents, right? Do you really think that? <laughs> Do they owe me anything? Uh-huh. No, they owe me nothing. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm still, I, you, I, you've heard me say this before. I'm still proud of the fact that there are a bunch of people in this yes. industry that I gave their first job to. I mean, Paul Ford, Captain Mac, was a waiter at a, a club, a private club in Clayton. Um, you know, I could go through the whole list. It was quite a few people. I mean, guy, Kevin Colleen, who who um, who used to do news for me, uh, is now like the lead reporter at KMOX and just the world's best reporter. And he worked nights for me. He'd come in at midnight when we had our news operation. He'd come in at midnight, or actually come in at 11 o'clock at night, and he worked like 7 o'clock in the morning. And at one point in time, <laughs> in fact, I'm going to tell you this story, but it sounds like it's a self-serving story for me, but it's really not. We had a fleet of cars at the time with my traffic network, and his car broke down. So it broke down in the parking lot here at the office. So I said to him, I said, Kevin, if you just want to you know, take one of the cars, and we had a couple spare cars. I said, you just have it for a while. He says, okay, fine. So he took one of the older cars we weren't using too much anymore. He had it for a couple of weeks. He was getting his car fixed. So one morning he calls me up. He says, Brad, you know my car I'm borrowing from you? I go, yeah. He goes, the battery's dead. I go, really? He says, yeah. He says, I jumped it last night and it won't hold the charge. I said, okay, where do you live, Kevin? He goes, what do you mean where I live? I said, give me your address. So he, he gives me his address. I go to the auto parts store. I buy a new battery. I go over to his house. I put the battery in his car for him. And to this day, every time I run into Kevin, he'll say, you know, I've had a lot of bosses in my life, but I've never had a boss who let me borrow their car. And then when it broke down, came over to my house and fixed it. So I always thought that was funny. You know, I'm not trying to make myself look great or anything like that, but it was to the point where it's like, okay, his car broke down. I put a battery in it. And he always talked about, it. you know, the owner of the company came in and he'd tell people this. I'm going like, you don't tell. Oh yeah. I tell people all the time that story about the car you, you let me borrow. And like he's, and it was interesting. He would come in and he had this old fedora hat. You know what fedora is? The Justin Timberlake hat. Yeah, sort of like that. And he had, if you go back in in history, if you see some of these old movies, the guys had these hats and they would have this little card in the hat band that would say press on it. You know what I'm talking about? You'd see the guys press, you know what I'm saying? Yes, and I always wanted those to put in my ball cap. Right, okay. So he would come in at night, he'd wear this hat, and he'd smoke his pipe. And at the time, you know, I wasn't real wild about smoking in the building, and still I'm not. And even back then, we put up no smoking signs, and he would go outside, outside our building, and smoke his pipe with his press cap on. And I'd come by sometimes at night, and there he is out on the front, you know, front uh, landing of the building, you know, smoking his big old pipe, you know, with his press hat on. I'm going like, and he's such a dry guy. I mean, you know, once again, incredibly talented guy. You know, I mean, it's sort of interesting. I mean, how life has its, 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 you know, twists and turns and things like that. And, you know, there was a guy by the name of Bruce Williams who used to do a national talk show. And he used to always say, I don't care what business you're in. He says, but always be kind to the people that are underneath you because at some day they may be your boss. And he told the story about one of the guys that was 
years ago was an intern for him. He was on a, a network station, a network, uh, a radio network out in New York City, and he had an intern who worked for him for a summer. And ten years later, the guy was his boss. <laughs> Is that bizarre or what? And he always talked about that. He says, you know, you never know. And and you know what? It's like I think there's there's a couple people who've used this quote. The real what's what it goes something like the real judge of a man is how he treats people who can't advance his place in in life. In other words, the idea being is if if you are nice to the lady who checks you out at Wally World and and you are courteous to the people that, you know, at the car wash or whatever, that you are really a good person as opposed to the people, well, if the guy just works at the car wash, she's a checker at, at Walmart. I don't have to be nice to her. You know what I'm saying? It's like when Shelly first met me, you know, she goes, well, you're just a DJ. I don't have to be nice to you. You're just a radio she guy. Didn't say that at all. You're actually. like, you're like S O E. I go S O E. What's S O E? Scum of the earth. Yeah. You're a radio person. S scum of the earth. Brad, Brand. <laughs> you stop that right now. A matter of fact, and I just wanted as, to say, as, as Shelly said, my shalot. No, 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 no. The three things that matter are your health, the content of your character, and the ripples that you leave behind. When I first met met Shelly, she was smoking a cigarette. And I was she, not. I was sitting oh, in a chair. No, no. In she was, she was that. She that's a lie. That's not true. She was smoking a cigarette. Excuse me. And she looked at me and she says, "Wow, you have a nice forehead." And I go, "Really?" And she goes, "Yes." And she put her cigarette out on my forehead. I still have the burn mark in the middle of my, right in my forehead, between my eyes, right above my nose. No, that would actually be the, the faucet that keeps on dripping. Right in the middle of your forehead. Constantly dripping. Always on. Okay. That's me. 725. We got to take a break. Shelly, some days, is not only lonely. She is. Super lonely. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> So no lie. <laughs> she calls up this old guy she knows, and he looks at her and says, "They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move to get get me moving." And then I leave screaming. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, "Bend down and whisper in my ear." <laughs> After I call him a perv. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you feel better? No. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. Dude. <laughs> you know, Trump does his announcement on what Tuesday night that he's going to run for president again. Okay, and the people at CNN are doing the Snoopy dance. I mean, they're so happy because of the fact that that their ratings, as soon as Trump's out of office, you know, after at the inauguration in 2000, you know, their ratings go into the toilet because they can't Trump bash anymore. You know what I mean? Let, CNN was like the Trump bashing network. And obviously Fox was the, the Trump, you know, Trump trumpeting network. You know what I mean? They were like, oh, Trump, hey, Donald Trump. So now it's sort of weird because Fox has sort of moved on. They're not paying much attention to, to Trump anymore. And CNN's under the new dude, and he's trying to get them out of the the idea that, you know, they're like super left-wing and Fox is super right-wing. They're trying to go more to the center. And they're actually doing more Trump news than Fox is now, which is sort of interesting because it's makes how things turn back and forth. But you know what's crazy about it is that, that Trump, and I'm going to say this because, and I know there are going to be women who I... I <laughs> Did I ever tell you the Rush Limbaugh story? 
Is that like the um, Frank Opinion story? I guess I no uh, yeah I well I I told you that Frank opinion story didn't I I told that several times haven't I You know you didn't <laughs> and stop it Okay um I find it fascinating that there's certain names you mention and people's mind just closes and for women it used to be Rush Limbaugh now now I won't say all women but a lot of women if you mention the name Rush Limbaugh or or Donald Trump they're like, I don't, don't even talk to me anymore. You know, and I find that sort of interesting because there are people on the political scale that I don't necessarily agree with, but I always listen to what they say. You know what I mean? I try to be open-minded, and sometimes it comes out like, I can't believe he said that, that kind of stuff, or I can't believe she said that. It's like some of the goofy stuff that our vice president said. <laughs> Did you hear the thing? I, I was going to pull this off where she's talking about the yellow school bus. Have you ever heard this one? I have not. It is so weird. She's at some... NEA convention or something like that, and there's a school bus there as a prop, and she goes on about, oh, don't you love yellow school buses? Yellow school buses are so nice. They're wonderful. I I love yellow school buses. Yellow school buses are my favorite buses. I'm going like, what is she talking about? You know. Anyway, I got invited. There was a lady that ran a woman's group. Um, I don't know whatever happened to it. I, it was sort of like it was a precursor to Little Black Book. And they had monthly meetings, and um, they had monthly meetings about, you know, they have vendors there. I mean, sort of like, you know, your LBB thing. And, uh, you know, hey, women, we're going to take over the world, you know, stuff like that. Right? Isn't that what you do at, like, the LBB meetings? Those men think they're in charge. We're the ones really in charge. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do is sit around a man bash. <laughs> right. That's what it is. No, okay. that's not what we do. Okay, so... I got a call from this lady. Her name is Gina Russo. I don't know if you know Gina Russo or not. And she's the one running this group. And she calls me like like 8 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Brad, Brad, I got a problem. I got a meeting today and my guest speaker canceled. Can you come in and talk to my group? I go, what do you want me to talk about? We'll talk about the radio business. Okay, fine. Okay, so I go, oh, she's what time? She's as a matter of fact, I can tell where it's at. It was at the St. Peter's City Hall. They have part of it they used to use for like part of the city hall. Now it's like an event space or something like that where they used to have the city council meetings across the hall from there. So I show up, you know, nice place. You know, I just like like 100 women and two guys, me and another guy. And I think he was like the reverend dude who did, did like the, you know, the invocation and stuff like that. Okay, so... They had lunch, you know, and Gina introduced me to a bunch of people. And that's my turn to give my story about, you know, radio, talk about radio. And a lot of good questions. And someone's, someone asked the question, what, uh, you know, what I listen to on the, and this is a question I used to get all the time. What station do you listen to when you're not on your own station? And a lady asked me on the way to this event this morning, what stations did you listen to? And the event started like 1130, Okay. So I get there, you know, and so literally I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm driving along. I said, well, I was listening to my station. Then I listened to 97.1. I listened to Casey for a couple of minutes. I listened to uh, NPR. And then I listened on the way into the parking lot. I listened to the first couple of minutes of the Rush Limbaugh show on KMOX. And okay, fine. So I answered the question, right? After the meeting, this lady comes up to me and she says, sir, can I give you a word of advice? I go, yeah, what's that? She says, well... I, there was a lady sitting right next to me that when you said that you listened to the Rush Limbaugh show, she tapped me on the shoulder and she says, okay, I'm done listening to this guy. You know, I'm not believable. A word comes out of his mouth from this point on. 
because I listened to Rush Limbaugh's, in other words. You know, but the crazy thing about it was I listened to like five other stations that I mentioned, you know, all over the place. NPR, you know, Casey. You know me, I'm a button pusher. I push the buttons. I'm driving along. I mean, there's times when, like in the morning, I'll listen to 10 different radio stations, driving around, that kind of stuff. And I thought it was so interesting because, like I mentioned, and the interesting thing about that is now that he's dead, you know, some people are still to the point where, you know, they don't like him. He saved AM radio. Now, for the most part, AM radio is dying a second death. It was dying its first death in the 80s. And what happened was, you know, if you know the history of radio, you know, everything was AM radio up through the 60s, early 70s. And then stations like Casey came on in the late 60s and KSLQ came on in 72. And matter of fact, it used to be funny because people would say, you're, a, you're, so you're like an AM station on FM. Because most of the AM stations were top 40 stations on FM. There weren't any top 40 stations. So through the years and going through the 70s and the early 80s, people started moving away from AM radio. So all these AM stations around the country were like dying, including KMOX. They were dying sort of a slow death because nobody was listening to AM radio anymore. Everybody's listening to FM. So along comes Rush Limbaugh, right guy, right time, right place. And he essentially totally changes the AM radio business, totally changes it to the point where he's like getting numbers, you know, across the country that are unheard of. I mean, in some markets, he's pulling 30, 40, some even 50 shares. In other words, half the people in a particular market listening to him. He just totally revolutionized the radio business because what he did was he was a political guy. And most of the time up until that point, political guys were dull and boring. You know what I mean? You go listen to a Camo X and the guys on Camo X were like, oh, he's going to give the farm report. Okay, I don't want to know about halves and, you know, calves and heifers and stuff like that. I could care less. And I don't, I don't want to hear the the guy who's head of the Librarian Society talk about the Dewey Decimal System again. I don't want to, you know, that was Camo X Radio back in the day, okay? So he comes along and does this bizarre, at the time, weird show where he's making fun of people, but he's making fun of people with a smile on his face, and he's got names for people, and he's playing all these crazy weird songs and stuff like that, and he just, everybody's going like, oh my God, who is this guy? And the crazy part of it is, at one point in his career, I don't know if you know this story about him, but he's from Cape Girardeau. His family, they're all attorneys. If you go down to Cape Girardeau, the federal building in Cape Girardeau is the Rush Limbaugh Federal Building. Did you know this? I, I really did not. That's his grandfather. He's like Aww. he's like Rush. I can't remember his whole name. It's it's something. He's the third, and his father was an attorney as well too. So and is Rush his real name? I'm gonna look that up. I think that is his name. Um, hold on, if I get my phone to work. I got the stupid passcode I have to put in. And if I do it too fast, it won't take it. Hold on a minute. Uh, let me go. I believe that is his real name. He's, Why don't you just use your biometrics? Because I'm, I'm blind in my eye and it won't work. That's a true story, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> Seriously. It won't work. Okay. You know, I'm, you know. You don't have to use your irises. Just use your finger. Rush Hudson Limbaugh III. His grandfather is Rush Hudson Limbaugh Sr. His father is Rush Hudson Limbaugh Jr. And he is Rush Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N, Rush Hudson Limbaugh III, born in 1951. Um, and his, the, the uh, courthouse in, in 
Cape Girardeau is named for his grandfather. It's the Rush Limbaugh Courthouse. Everybody thinks it's like, no justice in that place. That's the Rush Limbaugh Courthouse. If you're a Democrat, you won't get any justice in that courthouse, you know. But he started, and this is an interesting story. I talk about this guy from time to time, Ray Bixler. I don't know if Ray's still around. Ray Bixler used to be in the radio business. Then he had this company called Rent-A-Jock, where he was like a portable DJ company. And then he went in the limousine business, owned presidential limousines. His claim to fame is uh, Ray Bixler was working at a radio station, KGMO, down in Cape Girardeau. And one day his boss calls him up and said, hey, Ray, I got a new kid coming in, a high school kid's coming in. Show him the rope. Show him how the equipment works. So guess who the high school kid was? You. Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> oh. So he taught Rush Limbaugh the basics of the radio business, which he's How still, cool is yeah, that? which is sort of interesting. So it is interesting, anyway, actually. Rush started in Cape Girardeau at KGMO, and he was a top 40 jock. You know, and he, his name was Rusty something or other. Rusty Springs, Rusty Bed Springs. I don't know. Rusty Nails. I don't know what he was. I can't remember his name. He started in Cape Girardeau, and then he moved to, I believe, Pittsburgh or place like that. He bounced around the country and then he burnt out on the radio business and he decided he didn't want to do radio business anymore. So you know what he did? No. He went to work for the Kansas City, uh, the Kansas City uh, uh, baseball team. Okay. And, Fair enough. And you know what his job was? That mm, boy? He was the first pitch coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> true story. That's, oh, my goodness. That's what his job was. If you go to the baseball game, they have all these people come out and do the first pitches. He was yeah. the guy that people would call him up. Hey, you know, our, our, you know, our so-and-so is, is becoming the, the new chief of police. Can we have him throw out the baseball at the, at the Kansas City Royals game on Saturday? Yep, put you down. So he would be the person. You would show up at the, at the press gate, and he would bring you in. And, okay, now what you're going to do? We walk you out to the, sta- uh, to the mound and blah, 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 blah. He, would, he was that guy. And he got to be real good friends with um, George Brett, who ultimately became like, you know, Hall of Famer and the whole bit. And somebody, I think the story was somebody driving through Kansas City or something like that, ran into him. And it was somebody in the radio business and said, you need to go back on the radio. And he goes, oh, well, I'm tired of radio. I don't want to do radio anymore. So they talked him into going and work at the station in Sacramento. And he went out to Sacramento and started, I think he was originally in the mornings or something like that, and started his career back over again in Sacramento and became a big deal in Sacramento. And then ultimately they moved him to to uh, WABC in New York. And then he ultimately went national from WABC. So he got out of the radio business for a while, got burnt out. And he tells, I, I remember reading this about him. One of the Have guys. Have you ever gotten out of the radio business? No, unfortunately, I've been in my entire life. But was I mean, like you've never have, have you? No, forty-nine years, long time. So, but the interesting part of it is the story. One point in time, and I can't remember. He told me which one of the players, which one of the players, had already figured out what he was going to do after baseball. Because you know, I mean, some of these guys in the major leagues, you know, for like only a couple of years, if they even make it to the major leagues, and then they got to find out what to do with the rest of their life. So one of the guys said to him, he says, "Hey, Rush," he says. Um, I'm looking into this job when I retire from baseball, and uh, I'm going to be a root driver for Frito-Lay. And Rush says, what's that? And he says, well, I'm the guy that shows up at the convenience stores and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the grocery stores and stocks the shelves with the Frito-Lay potato chips and the Doritos and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, well, I don't know if I'd like to do that. Oh, it's an easy job because you get up real early in the morning and you can be done by noon. You can have the rest of the day to yourself. And Rush, I think, actually went on the job interview and go, no, don't want to do that job. Can you imagine? I mean, like, once again, I talk about this all the time. In life, 
you drive down the highway and you come to the forks in the roads. Okay. You go to the left, you go to the right, you know, sometimes you take that fork in the road and it's the right fork. Sometimes it's the wrong fork. And sometimes you go back, you drive back on that road and you go back the other way and you find your way. Other times you just keep driving on that wrong fork. And, and sometimes you're just forked. <laughs> yes. And that's me. <laughs> that's me. Okay. Anyway, it's 7.46. We have to take a break. It is BS.show. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. You know what that means, don't you? I do. Put some money in the kettle right away. Yes. Or I'll break your arm. No. <laughs> no, I won't. That's how he rolls. <laughs> he won't break his That's arm. Not it. That's your not arm. it. Your arm. Oh, we're almost He'll done, Shelly. break his own. <laughs> yeah, I'll break my arm, yeah. Five... Five broken arms. I've had five. I think five or six broken arms. I lost track. And you've never broken a bone in your life, correct? I have not. Knock on wood. So weird. I, you know, you must. Your parents must have wrapped you in gauze and 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 not let you go out and play and climb if trees. If my and mother stuff had like her that. way, yes, I would be the girl <laughs> in the bubble. She was overprotective like that. Very much. Really interesting. Yes. And of course, me, I was the rebellious one. How do, how do I find that unbelievable? I don't know if I believe that or not. <laughs> uh, I was the girl that your mother warned you about. Everybody talks about, you know, EVs, electric vehicles and stuff like that. Uh, Mike Otten sent me this story. This is from KRN in San Francisco. This is uh, Consumer Reports. Karen? K-R-O-N. It's the TV station. Kron. K-R-O-N. I saw K-R-O-N. K-R-O-N. Yeah, K-R-O-N. K-R-O-N like Cron, whatever you want to call it. Okay, this is the the list of the 10 least reliable cars. Are you ready for this? Sure. The 10 least reliable cars. You ready for the list? Mercedes-Benz GLE is number 10. Ford Explorer, number 9. Ford Mustang, number 8. Chevy Silverado is number 7. Chevrolet Corvette, number 6. Volvo XC90, number 5. Number four is Volkswagen Tiguan. Number three is Chrysler Pacifica. Number two is Subaru Ascent. And the most unreliable car is the Tesla Model Y. (laughs) It's the most unreliable car. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. They said electric SUVs as a vehicle category are at the absolute bottom in terms of reliability. The the Y is, if you know what the Y is, the Y is the, I believe it still has the gullwing doors on it. The Y is like the Tesla SUV. It's been out for a while. And um, I, I don't know what the Y is. Well, that's, do you know this goofy thing about, about the whole, how he names his cars? No, is it anything how he names his uh Facebook people. Okay, originally this is this is a re- this is a true story, and I'm not I'm not kidding about this. He wanted to have the original f- three cars were going to come out. We're going to be the S, the E, and the X. Okay, you get where I'm going with that? Yes. Is that like the thirty-seven thousand feet club? <laughs> the original three cars were going to spell sex. Now, ser- seriously, and he changed. They changed the Model E. That's now the Model 3 or something like that. And the other crazy thing about it is, you know, they have this incredibly fast car. It's called the Plaid. And you know where Plaid came from? Are you there? I do not. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. The Plaid came from, if you watch the movie Spaceballs, which Spaceballs was like a 
you know, like a spoof of Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. When they went, there was a term they used in 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 Star Wars where they went like light speed, they're going hyperspeed or something like that. When they went real fast in 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 Spaceballs, they entered plaid mode. That was plaid mode. So when he named the car, this fastest car, fastest production car in the world, he named it plaid because it was a joke behind behind um, the crazy thing with Spaceballs. I'm sorry, did you have a point? <laughs> Where are you? Are you in the toilet right now or what? Sounds like you're... <laughs> what are you doing? I told you I fidget when you talk, and so I turn my speaker down. You turn your speaker down? I turn my headset down. So you couldn't hear me? I could hear you. Well, then you didn't turn your headset down far enough. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't. Did you turn your really? did you turn your microphone down or your head? Because there's two controls. One that controls your microphone. Oh my god! One I don't that... know because you never let me press the buttons. Oh, I just keep it just the way you have it, you know, set up for me, and that's what I do. Okay, hold on a minute. Choo choo, chugga 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 chugga, choo choo, chugga 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 chugga. You know what that was? The little engine that. Couldn't? That was our show going off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Is just, that going to be a drop? It just went off the rails. Good thing it's our last break because it just, excuse me, Here, here's another, here's our show. You started this whole thing. You know what that was? That, no. was, that was a crash and burn. <laughs> What from hackers? No, that was just us. That was the show. That was a show disintegrating into into nothingness. By the way, it I, is a show about nothing. I I shouldn't read this story, but I saw this but yesterday. You're going to anyway. No, I mean it's bizarre. I mean here. All your stories are bizarre, Brad. Okay, get this. Caterpillar, the manufacturing yes. company that makes the bulldozers and stuff like that. Yes. They got fined $145,000 for a workplace accident, okay? OSHA fined them. Which is basically like 100 bucks to them. Okay, $145,000. What happened, It was, it was and, and it's not funny, but it's sort of sad. It's a worker who was killed on the job. Guess how he got killed? I don't know. He fell into a vat of molten iron and was immediately incinerated. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. Gone. Just yeah. li- literally. Seriously, no, really. Thank you for bringing that up as the last thought of the show. <laughs> that's, how our, that's how our show went. We have been having a good show, and I, I'm standing here. I'm work, I'm at the Caterpillar plant. Oh, Shelly. Oh, well, great show we've had. Oh, Shelly. Oh, I can't keep my balance. Oh. Stop ah! it. Where's Brad? No. He's gone. <laughs> okay. It is 7.58. Let me tell you the reasons why you shouldn't be listening to Brad Hildebrand. <laughs> Do you want it in an alphabetical order? Well, hold it. We're almost ready to leave. Or order of importance. We'd have to stay on until 11 o'clock to be able to give all the reasons. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Give me the reasons. You didn't, you didn't answer. You were just flippant. I wasn't flippant. So flippant. I was just looking at my my like, account. Like, I just um, my I just often. got my account statement Flipper. from from FTX for all my my cryptocurrency that I bought. 
Oh my God. <laughs> now that was funny. <laughs> and it doesn't Sorry. look good. Okay, we got to get out of here. Say goodbye, Shelly. Goodbye, Shelly. Everybody have a great day. Um, it's going to be an amazing day. It's Thursday, Thursday. Um, peace and I fly. And I believe in the justice system. 759. Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning Show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive LLC. See you soon.